welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 61 being recorded on Monday, November 28th, 2016. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, hey, happy Cyber Monday, Jason. It's one of my favorite days of the year. How are you doing, Scott? It is my favorite day of the year, unless there's uh, something else personal going on, but it is a great day. Do you hate all the people in China? No, no, they're all good people too, but uh, just not as exciting as Cyber Monday. I, uh, it is more fun to be able to uh, uh, see it all happening live right in front of you as the the poor UPS guy runs around with his head cut off. Yeah, and shows up at like eleven p.m. and he's halfway done with his deliveries. Exactly. We're we're recording the show late at night, and uh, uh, I feel like I've had several deliveries since we started the show already. Yeah, you are doing a lot of research today. I, um, I'm, uh, it's awesome. Good, good of you to do that for the show. We appreciate it. I, I am here for our listeners. Uh, that's one of the things I always chuckle about is a lot of the retail reporters will go out and they'll do secret shopping and they'll try, you know, buy online, pick up in store orders. And, you know, they're always buying something that you know they want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I had a great Thanksgiving. I uh, got to see lots of family and uh, a lot of little cousins got to hang out with my my little uh, one and a half year old. So it was wonderful. How about yourself? I did. I uh, had a big question for you, though. I, I know you like the sweets. What's your uh, favorite? What's your go to Thanksgiving dessert? Uh, so I'm a traditionalist. I'm a big fan of the pumpkin pie, although an mm-hmm. aunt showed up with a pumpkin cheesecake, which I feel like might have been the. The consensus winner this year. Nice, nice. Do you go uh, your pumpkin pie? Do you have it uh, naked or do you throw a little uh, Cool Whip on there or whipped cream? I prefer some whipped cream. And then once again, uh, one of my culinary relatives upped it a notch with a cinnamon whipped cream this year, which was delicious on the pumpkin pie. Yeah. Man, man, that is that's fancier than we do here. We're we're kind of basic folks. I am the (laughs) beneficiary of some other people working hard on those things. I was not that creative. Cool. And even more important than Cyber Monday is Star Wars, of course. And Rogue One tickets went on sale uh, this morning or last night, depending on how you look at it, at midnight. Did you stay up and get your Rogue One tickets? I did not have to stay up because uh, I unfortunately have an obligation on opening day. And so I will have to wait until December 21st to see it. But I do already have my tickets. You can always cancel obligations. You got to have your priority straight. Uh. That wouldn't lead me to believe that you're seeing it on opening day. Is that true, Scott? Yes. There's the, the problem with Star Wars, as you learned last year, is if you don't see it on opening day, then you get spoiled, and that's just painful. Yes, a, a young nephew spoiled it last year, although I'm more nervous about you spoiling Rogue One. <laughs> I, I don't like spoilers, so I try not to spoil it no, for other no, people. No. I will, I'll be good. Let, let the record show that you're completely trustworthy. I was just having fun with it. <laughs> Well, listeners, this is our Cyber Monday show, and we're going to go through the data so far that's been out there, some of the highs and lows, and try to get an early read on how the holiday is shaping up. 
As a reminder, as we headed into the holiday, if you didn't get a chance to listen to our last podcast, first of all, shame on you. And second of all, just to bring you up to speed, there was probably the widest range of forecasts for this holiday that I've ever seen. Um, the first one that was out was eMarketer, and they said 17% for e-commerce and 3.3% for all of retail in the U.S. Deloitte came out uh, and topped that with 17 to 19% for e-commerce, which was pretty exciting, 4% for all retail. NRF did not break out e-commerce, but they said 3.6% for all retail, which would imply they're kind of at 18% if you kind of do the math on that. Um, Comscore came out, and they said 16 to 19%, so similar to the Deloitte number. Uh, and then Adobe was the low on this one, uh, as Tom, Tamara said on our show. She said they're at about 11%, um, and as she told us on the last episode, uh, we're actually trailing behind that, and she wasn't sure if they'd have to bring it down or not. So that was a little depressing. Then uh, IBM was kind of in the middle of those uh, at 14%. They just recently came out with their forecast. They did a just-in-time forecast. Um, so that's kind of the setup going into this. And then another kind of just interesting thing, uh, it wouldn't be a Jason and Scott show if we didn't talk a little bit about Amazon. So one of the interesting things going to Amazon that had a lot of us concerned, there was a threat of a pilot strike. I think they actually did go on strike, uh, but then a judge ordered them back to work in like a day or two. So um, it's interesting, you know, Amazon's really only had planes for a year, year and a half now. And now uh, it's they've got 40 planes and something like 70 uh, pilots, cargo pilots, and it could have actually been pretty disruptive to prime deliveries to have that happen. So just kind of interesting that, you know, you they're starting to get so big that these things that wouldn't have impacted them before could possibly impact them. Yeah, it, it's ironic. Like usually this time of year, we're talking about like a particular port or the longshoreman or something that would affect the supply chain for all retailers. And they're, you know, they're, they're all terrified of it. This was a rare occasion when the majority of retailers were rooting for the strike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except for uh, the Amazon sellers, they were, you know, if you got your stuff in FBA, you really need that infrastructure to work for you. Absolutely. So Jason and I went back and forth on the best way to present this data, and we ended up kind of with a chronological order. So what we're going to do is take each day of the Cyber 5 so far, starting at Thanksgiving, and kind of put up some highlights and some interesting things about that day. And then uh, at the end of the show, we'll take talk about the holiday in totality and kind of how we see things shaping up. So Jason, why don't you kick it off with Thanksgiving? Yeah, so there are a few interesting things in Thanksgiving. Going into Thanksgiving, there were a lot of early stories. Mall of America announced that they were going to be closed for Thanksgiving. And there was this, you know, this whole theory that, hey, maybe the arms race of stores opening early and earlier was going to stop. Um, and then Macy's came out and announced, nope, we're going to open on Thanksgiving and we're going to open an hour earlier than we did last year. Um, and that, that's somewhat controversial. Uh, there, there are customers that like to shop. And when retailers have opened on Thanksgiving, they've been pretty successful. The downside of that, of course, is there are a ton of store employees that don't just have to be there for the opening, but have to be there hours before the opening to get the store ready. And that means they're probably not spending Thanksgiving with their families, which, you know, is a big bummer. Um, so, uh, wherever you come out on that, uh, it seems like Macy's is going to do pretty well with their Thursday opening. Um, I think they had 16,000 people just at the Herald Square store on, on Thanksgiving, which uh, is you know going to be a pretty good traffic day for that store. Yeah, it's after the parade. So uh, it was interesting. I was watching the parade with my kids and saw Terry just sitting there in the front row. It's kind of, you know, I've met him a couple of times. It was just kind of funny to see him just like right there on TV. Yeah, I'll bet he gets a very good seat. 
He had the front row. You guessed well. Um, he probably didn't have to get up super early and save it for himself either. Uh, the And then, you know, the other thing you see is it used to be that no one shopped online on Thanksgiving. Um, you know, back in the day, people were mainly shopping online on desktops, which is kind of where Cyber Monday even came from is, you know, people spent the weekend with their family or they went shopping on Friday and then Monday they'd go to work where they had the good computer and they had privacy from their family members. And that's when they did their holiday shopping online. Um, and, you know, more recently, and I, I suspect we'll talk about this, we've seen a lot more online behavior earlier in that weekend. And now with the advent of the smartphone, we're all, you know, on that phone underneath the dining room table during the Thanksgiving meal. And as a result, uh, Thanksgiving is the the fastest growing online day, and so we saw Target announced you know record sales for for Thanksgiving this year. We saw Kohl's announce record sales. Um, did what other interesting facts did you see about Thursday? So uh, Adobe uh, has probably been the most diligent with putting some data out, and one of the more interesting things they came out with was that it ended up being 40% sales on mobile, 60% desktop, so not quite getting to that 50% sales from mobile, um, but but really kind of flirting with it. Um, and one thing we'll be sure, just for listeners, to be careful, when you talk about mobile and desktop, it's easy to be sloppy. Um, we'll be diligent about talking about sales or GMV, and by that we mean actual transaction value, um, and then or we'll talk about traffic, which is different. And the conversion rate, as you've probably, um, you know, if you've listened to the show, varies greatly, which is why these things tend not to line up. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be sure to stick to that as we talk about those topics. Um, one of the other things I saw, uh, it's really interesting when you start to read all this data, there's a wide disparity of data out there. So, for example, PayPal had a thing that said their Thanksgiving average order value was 58 uh, 51, which is really low. When you see everyone else's average order value, it's usually like 150, 160 bucks this time of year. So I thought that was interesting. Um, they they had some uh, some stats later that we'll go into about mobile desktop too. Uh, and then Adobe uh, Comscore came out and they said uh, for the third year in a row, Thanksgiving surpassed 1.1 billion, coming in at 1.3 billion. And that was um, 17% growth on desktop. Now, the way Comscore puts their data out, they have real-time desktop data, and then mobile kind of catches up quite a bit later because I think it's more of a survey or an instrumented thing. Um, so for some reason, their mobile lags by usually two weeks. So we won't know the full picture, but it has nowhere to go up than up from 17%. So I think that's a baseline. Surely mobile grew. Um, you know, We're seeing reports of anywhere from 60 to 100%. So I think once Comscore tags that on, you're going to be looking at a day that was at least 20%, if not higher, um, for Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving, you know, re- regardless of what all the offline guys did, my conclusion on Thanksgiving is it was another big win. Um, and it still hasn't caught up with Black Friday. Black Friday was really strong uh, this year, but it is getting really close to kind of getting getting right up there with Black Friday. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Black Friday, um, it came in at $3.34 billion, which is – this is Adobe's data, which is up 21.6% year-over-year. Uh, and again, I think the Comscore stuff, when we kind of line it up, it'll it'll come in in line with this. Um, they projected 3.05, and so this uh, billion uh, or 11% growth. So this really blew away Adobe's projection uh, for Black Friday, which I took as good news. Some of the big sellers they talked about were um, – it seems like all the Apple products are doing well. 
Although I haven't seen iPhones mentioned. I, I see a lot about iPads and MacBook Air, which is interesting because iPad sales have been pretty, you know, meh. Um, so it's it'll be interesting to see if, for whatever reason, these new iPads they have out, the Pro kind of family, uh, has picked up for whatever with consumers. Um a lot of a lot of game consoles doing well. Both the Xbox and PlayStation came out with minor releases that seem to have kind of caused some momentum there. Um, when we look at our data, the uh, some of the really interesting things are um, drones have been on fire, especially the DJI's and kind of the professional drones have always been pretty hot. Uh, but what's this new category that's really lit up is some of the first person view drones have gotten quadcopters have gotten under a uh, hundred dollars. And those are, you know, those are just like selling like hotcakes. We've had customers like literally selling tens of thousands of them. So, um, you know, I don't, hopefully people realize it's not going to be that DGI level of a, of an experience. Um, but you know, if you want to have a good entry level into droning, then that's probably a good, good product. And it seems to be a really hot gift this year. So be careful walking the streets of Chicago after Christmas. Cause I think there's gonna be a lot of drones flying around. Yeah. And they're, they're totally fun, but they are harder to fly. Like they, what they don't have them in them is like the GPS and the geostationary mode. Mm-hmm. So uh, it they do take a little practice. Yeah, yeah. The the they're very the joysticks tend to be very finicky and and little fingers tend to be very binary, like hard up, hard down, and those things can like flip over and do all kinds of crazy stuff. So it'll be exciting. Yep. One other thing I did want to just mention: I saw the iPads uh, being listed as a fast seller and and tablets in general. But one of the interesting things they're also one of the most discounted products this year versus last year. So like that. The average discount on tablets last year was like ten percent, and this year it's like thirty percent. And so there's a a theory that like tablet sales it sort of plateaued, and that that people are being much more aggressive with promotions this year. And you know Amazon in particular is selling some really inexpensive tablets. Um, and you you mentioned the iPhone didn't show up on any of the fast sellers, which I agree with. That's even more interesting because a uh, a unique thing Apple did this year that we haven't seen before is they had uh, Black Friday deals on the the brand new iPhone seven products. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Um, I don't think it was very aggressive, and and I think they have a stock problem. You know the. Um, the the higher storage units are just still sold out in the jet black. And so I still think they have a shortage of supply, which may be a limiter there. Um, so sticking with Black Friday, uh, kind of digging into mobile. Uh, first of all, the exciting news is, according to Adobe, it was the first billion-dollar mobile day. Um, I kind of want to get another data point on that. I'm, I'm hoping Comscore chimes in with something on that. But they said $1.2 billion, so I, I feel pretty good that that's going to be our first billion dollar mobile day. So that's pretty interesting. So that's a new kind of high watermark for mobile. Um, So it ended up being mobile was 36% of sales or transactions. It experienced 33% year over year growth. uh, And uh, traffic wise, it was well over half traffic. So 55% of traffic. So let me recap that 55% of traffic, 36% of sales. Um, The, uh, I'll let you talk about store traffic. That's more your forte. Uh, and then the global. So according to IBM, IBM has been kind of quiet, but they, they said um, they kind of randomly put out a black Friday thing that said that the growth on black Friday had been strong coming in at 28% year over year. So that was kind of the highest one I've seen. Um, so it feels like 
Thanksgiving and Black Friday were kind of north of 20%. If, if you kind of lead, read the tea leaves and, and get kind of a down the fairway look at what, what's kind of being reported here. Yeah, it um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about Cyber Monday in a few minutes. And Cyber Monday continues to be the largest online shopping day in the U.S. So the so sales from Cyber Monday this year, uh, which... Uh, are still happening are going to end up being higher than than Black Friday, but it's getting very close. And so, of the five days, you think about Thursday is the fastest growing because it started at a very low base. Uh, Friday is kind of the slowest because it's the largest. Um, but Friday is really the day where the large volume gains uh, online are are being seen. And so you're you're starting to see those big numbers. And for some reason, more mobile shoppers are shopping on Friday versus Monday. And so you're, you're actually seeing uh, uh, mobile surpass uh, on on Friday, surpass Monday, even uh, uh, both. Both traffic and conversion, so so that's been interesting. Uh, but you alluded to one of the first real um, Debbie Downer notes of the holiday season is obviously the the majority of of consumer spending in the U.S. still happens in retail stores, not online. And all of uh, the data points we've seen on retail traffic for Black Friday, which is historically one of the highest shopping traffic days of the year. We're down year over year. So uh, Cowan, uh, you know, uh, said that they they saw traffic down three or four percent. Um, Shopper Track, which is a company that uh, a lot of retailers pay to count their traffic for them, said that traffic was down one percent. Retail Next, which is another in store traffic monitoring service, said that traffic was down like five percent. Um, there, there are a bunch of like more qual qualitative uh, companies that like go measure how many cars are in the parking lots. And they generally um, said that like parking lots looked sim look similar to last year, but all three of these data points tell you fewer people walked in the store on, on Friday than the year before. Um, and, you know, frankly that, that loss in, in revenue from, from those customers Probably greatly uh, exceeds the the gains that that we made online. Yeah, I think there's this interesting cycle. So, so the brick and mortar guys, you know, they resisted putting Black Friday deals online, but then Amazon was really aggressive and stealing share. So then they had to. But then now it's like taking people out of the store. Like, why go to a store at five a.m. when you can stay at home and get the same doorbuster deals? So there's this kind of really there's a bit of a death trap in there. Um, uh, there was a funny article out today where Bradstone called it the Amazon flywheel of doom. Uh, the doom was meant for other retailers that they're kind of, you know, they're in this, this trap where they're, they're damned if they do damned if they don't. And, and that's a, I think those stats are a really interesting kind of example of, of that on a very specific day of being a tough position to be in. Absolutely. And, and we'll probably talk about a little bit the, the exact opposite scenario on Monday, uh, where, you know, historically, there have been online-only deals, and some retailers are are starting to make those more omni-channel as well. Um, but but other sort of th- key things of note on Friday, we talked about it being the biggest mobile day. Um, Walmart, for the last several years, has really dominated mobile on Friday. So I think last year they were around 60% of all their traffic was mobile. And this year they said they exceeded 70% of all their traffic on mobile. Um, so that that's super interesting. 
Uh, a, a data source we haven't talked about a lot on the show. There, there are a couple companies, uh, Profitero and Clavis, that actually scrape all of the the big retailers' e-commerce sites um, for product data, and so they're able to actually see the promotions that are being offered on those product pages. Um, and they came out and said, "Hey, of all the Clavis uh, in particular said that of all the retailers they monitored." Amazon was showing the the deepest average discount um, of any retailer, um, which was forty two percent versus thirty percent, thirty six percent discount at Best Buy, thirty five percent at Target, and thirty three percent at Walmart. So the you know looking at a, a particular basket of Black Friday deals, um, they're they're saying that at least from their data set, they're they're seeing uh, Amazon being more aggressive than anyone else. They also sort of highlighted that that Amazon had a major Black Friday focus on apparel and jewelry, um, which are you know two categories that Amazon has has made major focuses on in in recent uh, years. Uh, we also have seen uh, a couple other retailers, uh, Fanatics, which is a you know a great uh, pure play uh, retailer, say that fifty six percent of all their sales were on mobile. So that's Passing peak mobile for sales, which again, much bigger milestone than, than traffic is, is 56% of sales is pretty impressive. Um, another pure play retailer that we've had on this show, eBags, uh, saw some similar things. They saw their mobile traffic up 88% over last year and they saw their mobile sales up 95% over last year. Um, so that, that's really huge. Um, and a, another just encouraging sign overall I saw at eBags was um, they mentioned that their uh, margin dollar growth is actually exceeding their revenue. So that's super interesting because uh, in general, margins on e-commerce are are more challenging than than brick and mortar. And partic- you know the the knock on all these big numbers we get on this weekend is. They're all on heavily discounted product. And so there's there's a lot of people that feel like we sell a lot of stuff but don't make any money. And so for someone like eBags to come out and say, hey, our our gross margins grew even faster than our revenue is pretty encouraging. Yeah, yeah. The Fanatics one's interesting. Um, I think they're a little bit of an outlier because I imagine this time of year they're they're largely selling NFL gear. They seem to have some deal with NFL where they're always talking about the NFL shop. They power the NFL shop, uh, which is largely on during games. So I think that it's a common second screen thing to be watching the game and say, hey, I need my favorite Chicago Bears jersey um, or I should get that for my wife for for a holiday or something. Um, and I think that's why they kind of over index on mobile. But they're they're probably a harbinger of things to come. I think we would all agree. Yeah, and I, I do feel like this weekend is an inflection point for them. You know, if you're a casual fan, you might not be prepared to invest in that $100 Bears jersey at the beginning of the season until you find out if the Bears are going to be any good. Um, but usually by by this week in the NFL, you know whether you're going, uh, you have a legitimate shot of the playoffs. So suddenly a lot of people are all in on the apparel, although that would not include the Chicago Bears this year. Ah, <laughs> uh, bummer. <laughs> did you see any um so another kind of story arc that comes out every year this time is uh the press loves to latch on to any kind of fight uh over a black friday deal did you see anything good there you know i didn't see a ton of stuff this year um there were a bunch of pictures that went viral on social media of a, a nike outlet store that looked like it had just survived a tsunami um with all these like open shoe boxes just sprawled all all over the floor um and, uh, you know, uh, just a heavily, heavily shop store. Uh, did you yeah. see anything? 
Uh, I saw that one, and uh, I saw it because uh, I think an employee tweeted, and they said something like, I hate our customers. <laughs> and then it got like a 1,000 retweets, and I was like, wow, I wonder if that person is still employed at the Nike uh, outlet there. <laughs> um, there's a funny uh, – I guess not funny, but there's a Walmart video where um, – that seems to be where a lot of things break out. Uh, I don't know why, but – um, you know, some employees took some shrink wrap off. Uh, I couldn't tell if they're big screen TVs or some kind of a stereo component kind of thing. Um, and the way they did it was just poorly designed. They had like 10 people in front. They started taking this shrink wrap off. Of course, there's a fight to get, you know, there, there's clearly a, like four pallets of these things. So it's not worth fighting. But there was a little bit of a grabbing kind of pulling situation over some of the things there. So it wasn't – I've seen a lot worse. So um Stores have gotten smarter at, at how they cue people and how they open these things and to avoid these kind of fights. Yeah, I was going to say, like, in general, a few years ago, you would, you would, you know, see escalating weaponry being brought to Best Buy and Walmart stores where people were using, like, like uh, pepper spray and stuff like that, um, which was really scary. The In general, the retailers have kind of operationally figured this all out. So for most of those deal busters now, you get vouchers before you even go in the store. And so you can, you know, shop at your leisure. There's no race to the product because you're holding a a voucher that you can use or a wristlet that, that entitles you to buy one of those products at the POS. And so those kind of techniques, it seems, have largely done away with, with a lot of those things, but obviously still totally possible for an individual score to, to make a mistake and and cause cause a little bit of uh, chaos. I I travel around a lot and talk about social proof online and how how persuasive it is for selling. And I always have this joke in my presentations where I say, "But you know, we really haven't figured out how to give social proof in the store." Um, and you know, the the best example of social proof we have in the store is the police tape around the TV display at, at Best Buy on Black Friday. So I always yeah. I always like to get new pictures for that joke. Another one that's interesting, I, I'd put it more in the controversial pile than the uh, the fight pile. But um, so some of the Wall Street analysts, they'll actually go out on Black Friday and they send out these real time store reports. And um, one of them was really showing that every JCPenney they went to was like had people 15 deep at the registers. So, you know, their whole conclusion was JCPenney seemed to be winning Black Friday. Um, and then uh, on CNBC Today, there was a big argument over. Uh, you know, the, the contrarian view was JCPenney had missed their last quarter. Um, they've marked things down so much to your earlier point of margin. They're not making any money. And the reason there's lines is there's almost no store associates. <laughs> so they had these poor store associates that were um, – a lot of them were temporary employees. They didn't know how to ring this up. JCPenney has a relatively complex system of discounting and things on this rack or that and all this kind of stuff. Plus, there's a loyalty card and there and the coupons and um, so. So they actually had the opposite angle that said, you know, no, these people are in there so deep because uh, they can't check out. And if, even if they do, JCPenney will lose money. So I thought that was interesting that, you know, all these things have two edges to them. Yeah, absolutely. And that that is, uh, you know, across the board, all retailers, of course, have to hire a bunch of seasonal labor. Ideally, you don't have that seasonal labor on the on the uh, cash registers because um, that is a pretty critical touch point for customers. And I, I read a bunch of stories both ways of, of uh, customers that were having trouble checking out and, and, you know, inefficient lines and, you know, all of these unique promotions can sometimes cause things to, to gum up. And then I've read the opposite, you know, stories about like 
going to a target and man, the, the, the clerk was checking me out, uh, with her right hand while she was doing an online pickup with her left hand and it was super efficient. And, um, you, you sort of see both ways. Uh, I definitely have seen Walmart talk about, uh, you know, since they raised the pay of all their employees, um, them seeing like significant increases in customer satisfaction. So it, it'll be interesting to see, uh, when the final tallies come in for the in-store data, uh, it'll be interesting to see if if Walmart's higher paid Salesforce this year was able to do better than than previous years. Uh, the interesting sort of dialogue I've seen about Friday is even whether Black Friday is relevant as a shopping day anymore. That like certainly there's this convention that lots of people are going to go shopping. We've talked a lot about how it used to be a sort of a pure in store day and Monday was a pure online day. But now, you know, that's really blended. And and this year in particular, there were 10 million more visitors to e-commerce sites than there were to uh, stores. So we actually had more people shopping online on Friday than we did in store. Um, And a ton of those deal, uh, those doorbusters that used to be online, uh, in-store only are now available to everyone. In many cases, they're available for, uh, you know, a week before Black Friday. And so there's just this whole sort of graying of Black Friday where it's really become, you know, just another sort of, um, promotional period that like at, at best starts Thursday, not Friday. And at worst starts a week before Thursday and goes through Cyber Monday and all these sorts of things. And I, I, I saw, um, one, one, uh, retail leader, a guy, uh, uh, Bayard Withrop, who who's the founder of a uh, an online pure play uh, apparel retailer called American Giant. Uh, he used to run Chrome, which uh, for all the the action sports folks out there would you'd be familiar with Chrome. Uh, Bayard, you know, basically summed it up and said, "Hey, Black Friday has become this marketing mechanism for dying brands desperate for end of year revenue." And just talking about how, like, you know, in the modern era, there there. Ways we need to be relevant to customers year round. And, you know, the retailers that are still operationally focused on, uh, deeply discounting stuff this weekend to try to drive customers in, you know, probably isn't a sustainable long term model. So an interesting POV at the least. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, so he invented the Chrome browser. Is that what you said? No, no, no. Sorry. Uh, that would be the geek version. Uh, Chrome is a super popular brand of like messenger bags for, um, cyclists. Ah, okay. Uh, you, yeah. Uh, your, your kids, uh, probably have it on their Christmas list, Scott. Oh, good. Good. I'll check that. The, um, okay. So that was Black Friday and that takes us to what I call Cyber Weekend. Sometimes people call it the Thanksgiving weekend. I prefer Cyber Weekend. I think it's more, uh, more cool. Um, so over the weekend, NRF came out and they partnered with someone. I forget who they partnered with, uh, Prosper Insights. And, uh, they had done kind of a, you know, how they do the exit polls at the, uh, elections. They did kind of an exit poll of shoppers and had some interesting data that got a lot of headlines. So first of all, they asked folks, you know, where did you shop? And 44, 40% said they shopped in a store, 44% said online. So I think that was the highest 
uh, online number that had been recorded in that survey. And so that, that kind of created another news cycle of this kind of stores are in trouble, online is surging. Um, and when you do the math and you can take that to the population and, and multiply it out, uh, that equates to 108 million online buyers and 99 uh, offline buyers. Uh, the thing that confused me about that stat is when you add the numbers up, it's 84. So I don't know what happened to the other 16% of people. Um, but then also, you know, surely there's surely there's some kind of there's online only, online and offline and offline only. So there's you know I don't know how those segments kind of the overlap of the Venn diagram. So maybe that's where the 16% actually comes in. Um, so uh, so sometimes that one confuses me more than than uh, eliminates for me. Uh, Adobe came in and said uh, when they kind of take Thursday to Sunday, so the you know kind of the the four days of Cyber Five, the first four days, uh, that they were up sixteen point four percent to nine point three billion. Um, things slowed as we got into the weekend. That always happens. So they were kind of at more of a twenty. 21% growth uh, Thursday and Black Friday. And then by the time we got to Saturday and Sunday, things had slowed down to pull the number down to 16%. Um, but then, so that that felt pretty good because they had that 11% number. So it felt like we were overperforming it. But then they said, well, but then when you look at the holiday, which started November 1st through that we're still only at 7%. Um, and I kind of took that to mean, wow, if we're there through Sunday, uh, that I don't know how you get to 11%. So um, we'll have to kind of see how that goes. And then um, deeper on the NRF uh, survey, they said that the average shopper spent uh, $289 or was planning to spend on holiday. And that was down from 299 last year, so a 3.5% drop. Uh, so I've, I've seen a lot of articles take that and actually say – Offline sales are down 3.5%, and I don't know if that's fair because you just can't take the AOV and decide that because the other factor is, well, how about the number of shoppers? If the number of shoppers is up and the AOV is down, you can still have enough new shoppers uh, to offset that. So I didn't get how people drew that that. You know, maybe I missed something there, but I didn't get how people uh, – a lot of more negative articles came out. And then they would say, but the NRF is standing by their survey or their um, their forecast of 3.5% growth. So that goes back to when we had uh, Adobe on. Uh, if you recall, she talked about kind of the, the gap that the election created, and it doesn't feel like looking at the Adobe data that we've made that up yet. Exactly. That's I, I think uh, when it's all tallied up for these five days, Adobe is going to say that, that we are slightly over their forecast for these five days, but we are dramatically under their, their original forecast for November 1st through uh, Thursday. Um, and, and they attribute that largely to to press spending in these these big states that predominantly voted for for Hillary Clinton and and presumably are more depressed about the election outcome um and so they they're literally saying like that man we we lost almost a billion dollars in sales leading into Thanksgiving and we haven't recovered those yet but you know that at the moment we're on track uh for their forecast for all the days after that so the magic question is going to be uh what happens the rest of this month and December. Uh, we haven't talked about this yet, but I would remind listeners there actually is not a terrific correlation to sales this weekend and overall holiday sales. So there have absolutely been years when, when, uh, brick and mortar and online sales were terrific this weekend and the overall holiday was kind of meh and vice versa. There, there have been occasions when this was not a big weekend and overall holiday was pretty good. So, 
you know, I don't think you can you can take anything to the bank from this weekend. But uh, at the moment, Adobe, you know, feels like they're they're uh, you know going to be slightly off of their eleven percent, largely as a result of the first two weeks of November. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, that kind of gets us through Sunday, and then today is Cyber Monday. But there's been some news out. Uh, what did you see about today so far? Yeah. So as of about an hour ago, this I feel like we're doing the real time election news. Um, Adobe's projecting now that today is going to come in at three point three nine billion, which would be the largest online shopping day ever in the U.S. Uh, and it would exceed uh, Friday, but not by a heck of a lot. Um, and so that, that's interesting. Um, I want to say, I don't have the data in front of me, but I want to say that's about 10, or, uh, from memory, 10.2% year over year growth from last year. Um, another, uh, good day for mobile, 56% of all visits, 37% of all sales were for mobile. So that's not quite as mobile as Friday was, but still, uh, it definitely feels like this, this holiday is, uh, going to be the, the peak mobile uh, the, the day we reach peak mobile where, you know, if you, if you haven't been mobile first before this, you should certainly be mobile first after this. Um, there have been some interesting focus on mobile only deals as retailers try to drive people to their apps and things like that. So I know, you know, um, Amazon, for example, like even offers deals that are exclusive to the echo Walmart has deals that are only available on the, the app, you know, so that's all interesting. Um, and, you know, a topic we like to debate ad nauseum, Scott, is this this mobile conversion gap. And I'll remind listeners that normally that's about three to one. So uh, you're three times more likely to convert on desktop than you are on mobile. Um, for holiday, it's it's getting pretty darn close to two to one. Um, and so I'm not prepared to say that uh, claim claim victory based on that trend there there just are a lot more people with buying intent that are that are coming to all these sites so in general conversions better everywhere on this holiday weekend than a traditional day um but it is an interesting trend that we're starting to see did you see anything else interesting for monday i did um and uh i did so ibm has this one dashboard and they actually showed desktop conversion kind of almost doubling and then mobile didn't they almost had a different outcome than that adobe point so i'll go with the uh, ibm data <laughs> All right. they they're, they're essentially saying the reason mobile is hanging in there is just because there's so much extra traffic coming that the conversion rate kind of you know it, it, yes it's lower by a you know it's two-thirds lower or only a third of of desktop but uh you know now that the traffic is well over 50 percent that it's kind of more than making up for that disparity um the uh back on the nrf survey they also for cyber monday they said um, a record number of online shoppers 122 million were planning to shop online on cyber monday so there's a projection part of that too uh, and then comscore has come out and said they think that cyber monday will be 3.4 billion which lines up with that adobe data point and i'm sitting here watching our live dashboard which is uh, pretty interesting because we only have one more hour and it looked like the peak time was Nine to ten o'clock Eastern was the top. It's interesting. You see, this is the same I think I've seen before. You see, there's these two windows windows of Cyber Monday. There's kind of a two to four p.m. Eastern, uh, and I kind of view that as people feel like, okay, I've done my work for the day, and now I have some time to look at these deals that came out, kind of a thing. Uh, then you you taper off during the dinner hour, and then 
eight to 10, it really kind of lights back up. Um, so, so interesting, you know, Cyber Monday does seem to have been very, very strong, uh, which is awesome. Absolutely. I was just going to say like a pro and a con of IBM versus Adobe's approach. Uh, IBM does have this very cool real time dashboard that, that, uh, I think you were just looking at. Um, so you don't, you don't have to rely on an analyst to kind of get between you and the data and you can, you can, you know, kind of ask your own questions and see them. Um, and you can, you can see it in real time, uh, where, where the peaks are, mobile versus desktop, all those sorts of things. So I love that about the Adobe data set. I mean, I'm sorry, the IBM data set. The downside, IBM is primarily getting their data from sites that are using what used to be called core metrics, now called IBM Analytics, as their web analytics tool. And Adobe is mm-hmm. primarily getting their data from what used to be called Omniture, now called Adobe Analytics. Um, and both are good products. You can certainly run your business on either of those. There's a third one that competes quite a bit with them, which is Google, um, who unfortunately doesn't share any data. The uh, Once a platform like IBM buys an analytics company like Cormetrics, they have, uh, it suddenly becomes uh, much harder for them to sell the analytics as a standalone product to a retailer that is only using analytics. So suddenly... Core metrics, uh, gets, gets concentrated to IBM customers much more directly. And so as a result, Core metrics is installed on a much smaller subset of retailer sites than Adobe is. And so, uh, not saying, you know, the data is perfectly valid, but it may not represent, you know, it certainly doesn't represent the 75% of all retail spending that Adobe says their data represents. So you gotta, you know, uh, ask yourself who the IBM customers are and they're going to tend to be, you know, a handful of very large players at the top of the ecosystem that are going to skew their data. Yeah, I was, I'm sorry. I was a little confusing. So I, I, for conversion data, I looked over at the IBM dashboard. Uh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes if people want to get to it. Uh, and then I was looking at the channel advisor GMV dashboard. We have this kind of internal tool that lets us track it in real time, how GMV is doing. And that's how I was able to see the shape of cyber Monday for us, which ah. I think is, Probably pretty representative for other folks. Oh, very cool. Well, if you don't have your own cool e-commerce company, um, the, I would recommend, and I'll put a link in the show notes, checking out the real-time dashboard from IBM because it, it it actually will let you see sort of those peaks by hour and those sorts of things. I just wish it was on a bigger set of retailers. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So cool. in the uh, so last year, the one of the big stories was Target had um, they. Refresh my memory. Was it free shipping or was it ten percent off, or was it fifteen? Fifteen percent off online. Okay. All right, and they did it again this year, and I they seem to be pretty stable. So, uh, did you see any kind of instability out there in e-commerce land? Uh, I uh, sadly I did. So, like just just uh, to recap, last year you know Target offered this fifteen percent. It was a total surprise um, to customers, and it generated more demand than they expected, and it actually caused their site to crash. Like they, they would quibble with that and say, our site didn't crash. We, we had to throttle traffic. So we essentially put a queue in front of our site. And a lot of people, you know, would get this page saying, please refresh every 10 seconds until we let you in. Um, and so that was, you know, pretty big black eye for target, you know, that had had some other problems before that. I haven't seen any problems with target this year. So congratulations to them. And they actually did the 15% this year. They did it online and in store and they did it for two days. So seems like that worked pretty well for them last year. So they doubled down on it this year. Um, 
The sad news is that we saw a number of other retailers have glitches. So, you know, at various times we saw Best Buy throttling some traffic. I saw Williams-Sonoma was down for a bit. Victoria's Secret had some glitches. Express, uh, Pier 1. But by far, the retailer that made the most news for being down, which is never what you want, is Macy's. And they had a pretty extended uh, outage on Black Friday. I'm not sure that they were completely down for this whole time, but a lot of customers were complaining about not having access to the site for as long as eight hours on Black Friday. So that that could be a real stinger for them. Yeah, and, and this is kind of an interesting thing. You know, how do you... How do you prepare for that? The um, we've we've always just you know it's always hard to do this because you've seen what past Cyber Mondays are. Um, Cyber Monday is always the trickiest day for us. Uh, so you you know you're going to have a day that's kind of three x of any other day, um, which is fine, and you can do some math and everything. But then you always question the math because the shape of the traffic looks different and it's hard to predict it, you know? So for example, mobile versus desktop or, um, for us, we have, you know, probably 800 different ways people can hit the servers. There can be API calls, there can be pixels. There's just all these different things that cause a transaction on a server. And, you know, some of those transactions are heavier than others. And if the traffic skews into a different mix, it's a much different look and a different hardware requirement. Um, how do, how do retailers deal with that? So, you know, you know, Imagine Macy's was able to kind of say, all right, we think Black Friday, we're going to get this much traffic. It, it's also another challenge is it's hard to test these things in a sandbox kind of environment because to do that, you have to have as much hardware in your sandbox as you do in production. You can't really test it on production because then you're going to give yourself an outage if it doesn't work. So um, what do you recommend for retailers and what are some of the best practices you've seen for, for these kind of scenarios? Yeah, it, it's a big challenge uh, for all the reasons you mentioned. You know, I, I should say the standard practice, which kind of stinks, is that what you do is you take some surrogate for your production environment, right? So the right way to do this would be, you know, if you had a, a hundred of a particular server in your production environment, you'd go rent another hundred servers to uh, do your load tests on. But almost no one I know does that, right? So instead, what they do is they take some smaller servers or smaller number of servers that maybe was their staging environment or a QA environment or a variety of sandboxes or they rent some smaller servers. And what they do is they they put a load test on that and um, do some math to say, gosh, if these number of servers can handle this load, then the number of servers in our production environment should be able to handle this other load. Um, but that's a pretty huge fallacy, right? And we talk about sort of the analogy to plumbing, right? It's like saying, hey... You've got uh, a three-inch pipe, and you see how much water you can put through that, and then you should be able to do math and know how much water you can put through a five-inch pipe. But the problem is it's rarely the pipe that causes the leak, right? Like it's mm -hmm. the O-rings where the two pipes are connected or the faucet or the hot water heater or all these other things in this super complex system that don't get properly tested in that kind of surrogate test. And so, you know, the first thing I would say is, you know, for sure run load tests on, on you know, your your um, sort of staging environment or whatever you can. Um, and and for gosh sakes, if you if that tells you that you have a, a capacity deficiency, you you absolutely want to address it. But you should absolutely not feel good just because you passed that kind of load test. Um, 
the the other big thing that really gets you is is you mentioned customer behavior is wildly different, right? And so when you're doing a load test, you're basically running a bot that acts like a customer, and a bunch of those bots aren't very well written. So you know maybe it's using an API to exercise the the cart, whereas a real shopper is clicking a bunch of buttons on a website to exercise the cart, and that that can feel different. But a huge difference is most of these sites only have to feed uh, content to a small subset of their traffic. And that's because they use a lot of caching. And the most popular flavor of caching out here for e-commerce are these these content delivery networks, these CDNs. And so essentially what happens is you you have an origin server and and that, you know, uh, runs a computer program to generate a page every time someone asks for a page. But in front of that, you have a caching server that keeps copies of the most popular pages. And when a customer asks for that popular page, it just gives them the copy, which takes much less effort. And then that copy, that cache is replicated to hundreds of servers around the world via the CDN networks. And if it all goes really well, a high percentage of the customer requests get hit by these various caching things and and they they don't put a lot of stress on your server. Um, but guess what kind of content can't be cached? Dynamic. Dynamic content, exactly. And the the trend for customer experience in e-commerce is all towards this dynamic, personalized content and things like calculating shipping and calculating the cost, the, the value of the items in your cart and calculating how much lower that cart will be with your 15% off discount. And so Quantity you, available. Exactly. Um, Dynamic pricing. Yeah, and so it... All of those things end up being, you know, uh, meaning that the origin server can get exercised much more than the load tests assume. And uh, these high traffic e-commerce days hit the origins, exercise the origin servers much harder than normal. So here's this funny irony you get at. You have all these tools that specialize in personalization and the salesperson for that tool, you know, is constantly telling you how great it is and how you ought to do all this personalization. Um, and then, you know, hopefully about April, you start doing your holiday readiness assessment and that vendor that just sold you that million dollar personalization tool comes in and says, all right, let's do a holiday readiness. The first thing we suggest is you turn off all the personalization. And don't do any promotions. <laughs> um, and, you know, because they're trying to protect the load on that on that origin server. And so as a retailer, you're having to balance between um, being as efficient with your server capacity and having the, the best possible customer experience. And that's that's just a cruddy compromise to make. So the short answer is most retailers today are on some somewhat antiquated uh, platforms. They tend to, you know, own their origin servers in their own data centers. Um, most of them are, are geographically concentrated. So they have a single data center. Um, and most of them have a bunch of single points of failures. So they have the points they know about. Um, but they often have a bunch of single points of failure they don't know about, like a, a, a tag on their site from a third party or an advertising provider or all these other, a personalization vendor, an analytics vendor, all these other things. And if that vendor has a glitch, it, it affects your experience. Um, and there actually are better infrastructures for doing this. And the public clouds now are frankly much better at um, geographically dispersing the load than are the most of these, these private data centers that retailers are built on. So you think about someone like a Google um, and 
When's the last time you remember Google having outage, despite the fact that they, they, they have a uh, completely personalized content for a much broader range of, uh, a much higher traffic load than a typical e-commerce site gets. And they do that by having these sort of container-based clouds that are super dynamic and can elastically add more capacity on demand and add it all over the world and kind of avoid internet congestion, denial of service attacks, all these cool things. And as a retailer today, you can buy that kind of infrastructure. Like Google actually rents their infrastructure. It's called Google Platform Services. You can run an e-commerce site on the same infrastructure that Google's using to host Google Search. Um, obviously, more and more retailers are moving to Amazon's infrastructure, AWS, which can give you a lot more of that elastic capacity. But if we went in and surveyed the top 500 sites, you'd, you'd, you'd see the top three or four having really sophisticated site ops and a lot of good geographic um diversity and you know minimizing those single points of failure but the other 496 would all be based on this sort of older model that we now know is not a best practice and can't scale for these kind of loads and so they're frankly all a little fragile yeah one middle ground and this is where we ended up at channel advisor because we've been around since 2001 so we did have you know pretty big on-premise kind of investment is a hybrid model so if as our on-premise stuff gets full, we can switch over to cloud and, and kind of load balance between the two, which is there's some nice benefits there. You still have the the control of being able to like you know drive to the server and press the button if you want to, uh, but then you also have the flexibility of spiking up when when you need to. Um, and to my earlier point, you can. A lot of retailers I talk to they don't want to use Amazon Web Services because they don't want to you know feed a competitor kind of thing. But, uh, you know, so to your point, there is Google and other options. But but even even if you hate Amazon, one of the things you can do it used to be impossible to kind of spin up a production environment. But the way Amazon leases machines, you can actually go do that. You can kind of go spin up a very quick slice of your production environment, run load against it on Amazon and then kind of turn it off and in a way, way, way more economical way than you, you could with buying any hardware or actually leasing it and having humans set it up and that kind of thing. So so there's some interesting, you know, even if you have kind of married to an on-prem solution, um, there's a hybrid option in there um, that, that isn't as binary as kind of cloud or, or, you know, public or private kind of thing. Absolutely. And I, I would say, like, there are lots of third parties that sort of turn Amazon into a hybrid option. Like, natively, Amazon was sort of built to be a, a public cloud, uh, but Microsoft has a product called Azure, which is really architected to be that hybrid cloud. And so yep. there, there are some good third-party solutions, no matter what you need um, to get you there. And, you know, to kind of put it in perspective, you know, Walmart, which is, you know, depending on how you count, the second largest e-commerce site in the U.S., um, they built this pretty cool layer that they use for all their site ops and it's called one ops and they actually open sourced it. So any other retailers welcome to use it. And it's a container based system. Walmart has a ton of their own data centers. And so they, they run it on their own computers, but one ops also runs on Google, Azure and Amazon. And so you literally can have a situation where um, as long as your capacity can be managed by the number of servers that you own, you, you keep using those, but you can in real time elastically expand to these servers that you rent for however long you need them on Amazon or Microsoft. And you can literally arbitrage those servers against each other in real time and rent wh- whoever has the best price on a given day for, you know, a minute or an hour of capacity if you need it. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, 
So bringing it back to holiday. So we've looked at all this data. We have all these forecasts that were 11 to kind of 19%. We're seeing data points that are, you know, Adobe is kind of like a 7% holiday year to date. And then you have uh, Comscore and some others kind of with the days coming in the 20s. Uh, how do you feel the holiday is shaping up? Yeah. So uh, I unfortunately am a little concerned. I think the traffic numbers are a real concern. Again, we get real-time data on online sales, but but data on brick-and-mortar sales comes much slower. So, you know, if, if we use the holiday traffic as a surrogate for the period, um, I think we have a real potential to land at like 2% growth for brick and mortar sales this holiday period versus most of the forecasts you, you hit at the top of the, the hour were for like 3.6%. So that's potentially a huge miss. Um, and that means, you know, we have a bunch of already distressed retailers that could be talking a lot more about, uh, closing stores and things like that. I, I, I think the one piece of silver lining for the brick and mortar retailers is they've been much smarter about their, their inventory this year. Um, and so I, I think they're not in as bad an inventory position. So I think they can, they can manage 2% growth a lot better than they, they did last year. But online, I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, uh, tale of the have and have nots. I think Adobe probably has it right across all retail. We're probably going to see 11 or 12% growth, but the bummer is going to be, we're not going to see a lot of individual retailers with 12% growth. What we're going to see are the biggest retailers that are the best operators and have really nailed their email marketing programs and their promotion engine and dynamic pricing and stability and all those sorts of things. Um, and they, the, those big players have a bunch of intrinsic advantages at this point. So you're going to see the Amazon, Walmart targets of the world growing at like 20% this holiday. And that, unfortunately, is going to leave most of the other retailers with about 7% growth. Um, so, again, I think brick and mortar is going to be a little soft. I think online is going to be at 12%, but it's going to be a story of a big retailers uh, having a great year and uh, uh, some newer retailers struggling a little bit more. Um, and then I do think when it's all said and done, we are absolutely going to see some proof that that mobile gap that we talk about is is starting to close, and I'm I'm certainly excited and optimistic about that, and we'll talk more about that in another show. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be very feast or famine. Looks like, um, you know, Walmart has done pretty well. Seems like Target's doing well on Amazon, um, and we'll have to see how some of these other guys do. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the holiday shapes up. And just want to thank everyone for joining us tonight and hope your holiday sales are up and to the right. Absolutely, Scott. It, it has certainly happened again. We've spent a perfectly good hour of our listeners' time. Um, so we're, we're really grateful for everyone for tuning in. And rest assured, we'll be doing a number of shows for the rest of the holiday period. And we appreciate uh, hearing your stories and getting your feedback as well. Thanks, everyone. Happy commercing. Happy commercing. <laughs> You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.